Welcome to your Tuesday edition of Transformation Radio. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away When I die, hallelujah, by and by Stacy, I'd like to affirm Keith Rollins. Uh, you came in a week after me, and I honestly didn't think you were going to make it, bub. You were looking rough. You didn't want to be here, but I affirm you because you put your courage and your faith to the test, and you stuck around here, and you've been one of my closest brothers here at the refuge, and I just love being around you every day and seeing your smile and I can't wait until next Saturday, family day, to see you see your son and your daughter. And I love you, bro. As we narrate the scriptures in the New Testament today, we'll be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 15, verses 1 through 35. We'll see that when God opens a door, the enemy has somebody handy to try to close it. In this case, the legalists from Judea visited the Antioch church and taught that Gentiles must become Jews before they can be Christians. Their teaching was a denial of salvation by grace through faith. It was difficult for the Orthodox Jews to see that their glorious religious system given by God had been fulfilled in Christ and was now out of date. That's why the entire book of Hebrews was written. Rather than abandon it, they tried to blend the old religion with the new. When sincere Christians disagree, they must get together, see what God is doing in His church, and find out what the Word has to say about it. Peter, Paul, and Barnabas told what God was doing among the Gentiles, and James related it to the Word. 
In the decision, there was no compromise doctrinally, but there was consideration practically. In the decree, the church asked the Gentiles not to deliberately offend the Jews. You will find the expansion of this principle, the basic principle of love, elsewhere in Scripture. And with that, let's begin the reading today in the New Testament. June 23rd, the New Testament, Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 35. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles too were being converted. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, The Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows, Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles, so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and He confirmed that He accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for He cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. When they had finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted, as it is written, Afterward I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it, so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles, all those I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken, He who made these things known so long ago. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. Then the apostles and elders together with the whole church in Jerusalem chose delegates, and they sent them to Antioch of Syria with Paul and Barnabas to report on this decision. The men chosen were two of the church leaders, Judas, also called Barsabbas, and Silas. This is the letter they took with them. This letter is from the apostles and elders, your brothers in Jerusalem, 
It is written to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching, but we did not send them. So we decided, having come to complete agreement, to send you official representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are sending Judas and Silas to confirm what we have decided concerning your question. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. The messengers went at once to Antioch, where they called a general meeting of the believers and delivered the letter. And there was great joy throughout the church that day as they read this encouraging message. Then Judas and Silas, both being prophets, spoke at length to the believers, encouraging and strengthening their faith. They stayed for a while, and then the believers sent them back to the church in Jerusalem with a blessing of peace. Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord there. Today we're reading Psalm 141, verses 1 through 10. My voice, my hands. David was away from God's house, but he knew he could worship the Lord even without a priest or an altar. His prayer would be like the incense on the golden altar, and the lifting of his hands in praise like the burnt offering on the brazen altar. No matter where you are, the point is, worship the Lord. And then we'll read about my mouth, my lips. When evil is near you and evil people tempt you, it is easy to say the wrong thing. It is the heart that needs protection. And we'll read about my head. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, it says in Proverbs. They may hurt, but like oil, they heal. Watch out for the kisses and delicacies of the enemy. We'll also read about my eyes. Keep your eyes of faith on the Lord, and He will direct and protect your steps. David gave himself to the Lord as the evening sacrifice, every part of his being. This is the highest kind of worship and the greatest privilege. Psalm 141, verses 1 through 10, a psalm of David. O Lord, I'm calling to you. Please hurry. Listen when I cry to you for help. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you, and my upraised hands as an evening offering. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Don't let me drift toward evil or take part in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do wrong. Let the godly strike me. It will be a kindness. If they correct me, it is soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it. But I pray constantly against the wicked and their deeds. When their leaders are thrown down from a cliff, the wicked will listen to my words and find them true. Like rocks brought up by a plow, the bones of the wicked will lie scattered without burial. I look to you for help, O Sovereign Lord. You are my refuge. Don't let them kill me. Keep me from the traps they have set for me. 
from the snares of those who do wrong. Let the wicked fall into their own nets, but let me escape. Proverbs 17, verse 23. The wicked take secret bribes to pervert the course of justice. Lay down your burden, I will carry you, I will carry you, my child. Lay down your burden, I will carry you, I will carry you, my child, my child. I can walk on water. Calm a restless sea I've done a thousand things You've never done And I'm weary watching While you struggle on your own I call my name, I'll come Lay down your burden I will carry you I will carry you Lay down your burden I will carry you I will carry you My child, my child I give vision to the blind And I can raise the dead I've seen the darker side of hell And I return And I see these sleepless nights And I count it
and the hurt is deep But when I feel like giving up You're reminding me That we all fall down sometimes But when I hit the ground You lift me
is Dana Harbin Jr. Uh, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, 43 years old. Uh, most of my life I've been able to, been left to myself to just do whatever I wanted to do. Basically, uh, my mom was 14 when she had me. My grandparents died when I was young. My uncles were only a few years older than me, so I didn't have much guidance growing up. So if I stayed out of trouble, nobody said nothing to me. So I learned at a young age how to manipulate people and situations so I can just do whatever I wanted. Uh, I left home when I was 17, had my first child when I was 19, uh, got eight children by four different women, uh, just been rebellious and doing my own thing for years, prideful because I was able to accomplish a lot of stuff in my life, thinking it was all because of me. But uh, I, I came to a head when uh, my youngest daughter was in the hospital on life support, and uh, I had to make a decision to take her off of life support and let her to go be home with the Lord. And you know, and I was just starting to shoot up dope then, and I know I lost all hope at that point, and you know, I just said goodbye to everybody. Actually, I didn't even say goodbye; I just left. Went on my own, shooting dope, stealing whatever I needed to do, buy dope. Didn't talk to nobody, was homeless, living in drop-in shelters, abandoned buildings. And the whole time I was just crying out to the Lord, Lord, please help me. And uh, he rescued me by having me arrested and then sent me to this place where they do cognitive behavior therapy. And for the first time in my life, I was taught that if I could control my thoughts, I can control my actions. My thoughts led to my actions, so... I tried to put some of that in practice, and that's when I started getting into reading God's Word. This was in 2012, and made a decision then and a commitment to God, and since then, He's been working hard in my life. I thought I, I was just addicted to drugs, but I was so bound up with chains of unforgiveness and self-condemnation and pride and rebellion and, I mean, uh... I mean, just all kinds of stuff, man. And, and here, it, one chain after another starts falling, but the whole time I'm still battling this drug addiction. And I'm failing, urine screens, skipping them, going back. They sent me back to the CBT for a second time. Then they sent me to another place for a third time. So, you know, finally I, I just asked God to put me in a place where I can have some accountability and some Christian men in my life. And he sent me to the refuge. And, man, this has been a blessing to me. I've really enjoyed my time here. And, you know, I can't wait to get out and start serving uh, the community and just give back for all these past couple of years. I've just been take, 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 take. Uh, for you guys in phase one, man, this thing works if you work it. And this ain't no NA or AA cliche. But you only get out what you put in. So don't give up. Work hard. Persevere. And be patient. And the Lord will work in your heart. Thank you. This is a second in a series of 10 distinctions between dream fulfillers and dream killers. <clears throat> Distinction number nine. Dream fulfillers are fully engaged. Dream killers are only enrolled. Being fully engaged means you consistently work hard toward your dream. Working hard toward your dream is not the same as hard work. <clears throat> Hard work without a dream attached is exhausting. Working hard toward your dream may be exhausting, but it also is energizing.
it's one of those weird paradoxes. The fatigue that comes from working hard towards your dream is accompanied by a true sense of fulfillment. And that fulfillment energizes you to keep on keeping on. People who are only enrolled may work hard, although it is usually in the wrong direction. Working hard in a direction that does not move you closer to your dream is truly hard work. Working hard includes more than physical labor. For example, staying focused on your dream is harder for most people than digging ditches or making cold calls all day. Focus requires some serious energy. Dream fulfillers work hard to stay focused. Dream fulfillers also work hard on inspiring and encouraging themselves and others. I once asked a pastor of a large church what his biggest challenge was, and he quickly replied, keeping people inspired and encouraged. Think about it. Just keeping yourself inspired and encouraged is hard work, let alone inspiring and encouraging others. Dream fulfillers can remain fully engaged and work hard because they believe their dreams are possible and that they are worthy of their time and efforts. Do you believe your dream is possible and worthy of efforts? When you are certain your dream is possible and worthy of your life, you will become fully engaged in the process of making it come true. After you learn to keep yourself inspired and encouraged, then you will be able to persuade others to support your dream and to take action on their dreams. When you believe in your dream, your faith becomes contagious and helps others to believe in their dreams. Being fully persuaded and engaged is the critical step to being able to persuade others. Persuasion is not the same as manipulation. Persuasion is positive. Manipulation is negative. Persuasion puts people first. Manipulation uses people to fulfill selfish desires. Persuasion is the ability to get others to believe and therefore act in ways that benefit you and them. Many people have been deceived and manipulated to do things that are destructive to them. Manipulation builds a fire beneath people. Persuasion builds a fire within them. Being able to persuade others is the ability to inspire them to believe in and act on their dreams. Have to versus want to. When you are persuaded, you work on things that you want to. Persuasion is related to perseverance. It is much easier to persevere when you are doing work that you want to be doing. It's difficult to remain committed to do something that you don't really want to be doing. When someone is being manipulated, they are usually doing something that they feel they have to do. Not that they want to do. Persuasion works with the deep desires of your heart. Manipulation works on the fears of your mind and the greed of your ego. Persuading people enlightens them to see that they want to. Manipulating people forces them to feel as though they have to. Want to versus have to is a significant distinction between being fully engaged and being only enrolled. Teenagers who want to go to college do much better than those who feel they have to go to college. Adults who want to do a certain job or pursue a specific career do much better than adults who feel like they have to stay at a specific job or remain in a particular career. Are you fully engaged in your life or only enrolled? Are you investing time, energy, and money in things that that you want to do, or are you wasting them on things that you don't want to do? The choice is yours. Even if you currently do things that you believe you have to do, you can take steps 
steps toward those things that you want to do. It may take days, weeks, or years, but you can turn your life around and become a dream fulfiller. Start taking consistent action on the things that you want to be doing. Work hard to keep yourself inspired and encouraged. Make sure you are fully persuaded and that others are manipulating you for their own selfish desires. And of course, make sure that you are not manipulating others. Being a persuader is much better than being a manipulator. As you grow in confidence and become fully engaged in your own life, then you have a responsibility to also work hard to inspire and encourage others to pursue their dreams. Stay focused and work hard to keep yourself inspired and encouraged and to persuade others to believe in their own dreams. Dream fulfillers are fully engaged. Dream killers are only enrolled. It's time for me to leave here 
clock, hear the clock count down. Wish the minute I could be rewound. So much to do and so much I need to say. Will tomorrow be too late? Feel the moment step into the past. Like sand through an hourglass. In the madness, I guess I just forget. And I just wanted to give an affirmation to Jacob Fink. Finky, you're doing great, buddy. I'm just so proud of you. Uh, just keep up the good work and keep the faith. Amen. Hi, and welcome back to day 11 
of Daring Faith Devotions. Trust God to use your problems for good. Let me start with the verse today, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8-9. through 9. The Bible says, We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who raises the dead. None of us are exempt from suffering. We all experience loneliness, discouragement, mistreatment, and unjust criticism. Why does God allow these things to happen to us? It's because God is developing the character of Christ within us. And in order to do that, He must take us through the circumstances in life that He took Jesus through. Did Jesus suffer? Was Jesus sometimes lonely? Was He tempted to be discouraged? Was He misunderstood, maligned, criticized unjustly? Of course He was. Does this mean God causes tragedies? No. God is good. He will not cause evil or do evil. But God can use dark and stressful times for your good. He'll use them to teach you to trust Him. 2 Corinthians says, We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God. He'll use these troubles to show you how to help others. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says that He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And He'll use our troubles to draw you closer to other believers. 2 Corinthians 1.11 says, You are helping us by praying for us, and many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers. So how can you expect the best from God when you're going through difficult times? In faith, refuse to be discouraged, knowing that God is for you. In faith, believe God is with you and working things out for your good. And in faith, rely on God's protection and His guidance. Let's pray together. Why don't you pray this way in your heart? Lord, please don't ever let my suffering go to waste. Teach me to stop relying on myself and to trust you to do what's best. And would you open my eyes to the people around me who need to be comforted with the comfort that you've given me and help me to not hide from people when I'm in pain, but to draw closer to my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Transformation Radio.